This week's podcast brought to you by Subject Pronoun Agreement. You haven't been here a lot the past week or so? It's just been four days. It's just been four days. But that leaves me to cook. And um, the other day, one of our children said, after I made cereal, or poured cereal, Dad, are we all out of berries? And I told him, those weren't berries. Those were crunch berries. (laughs) And you are his captain. has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane, who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We just came down to the basement and set up the recorder and the microphone to do this podcast and uh, when we tested it after talking for a short amount of time nothing had recorded and we're trying to figure out what's going on with the recorder and you're getting a little bit annoyed and I said well let me just turn it off and turn it back on and your response to that was you're just wasting battery. You're just wasting battery. Meanwhile, the batteries that go in this recorder I'd gotten at Costco. So we've got a, an endless supply, essentially. I'm more concerned and, about the earth. Okay. Okay. Just answer me this. What ultimately fixed the problem with the recorder? Turning it off and on. <laughs> Turning it off and on. So, but that's you. I'm going to give mine a little try. You pushed all your little buttons and tried to figure it out. And I said, let's try to turn it off and on. That's just going to waste battery. Well, you know what? It solved the problem. <laughs> You're on fire because you also disassembled and reassembled the dishwasher yesterday. How about that? So I've been, the last four days, I've been in studio all day, getting home between midnight and 1 a.m. And yesterday, after that late night in Bristol, in the morning, getting the kids ready for school, making lunches, their breakfast, we opened the dishwasher. The dishes were clean, but there was, what, three inches of standing water at the bottom of the dishwasher? So I went over and just Googled what, to, you know, what could cause that. And it said a, a clogged drain. So after wet vacuuming, after you wet vacked all the water out of there, I disassembled the wash, uh, the dishwasher. There's no screws or nuts and bolts involved, just popping things out of place, cleaned it. It was just absolutely disgusting and filthy. And then you ran the dishwasher again last night and voila, I fixed it. I feel like I'd need a plumber certificate or, or whatever plumbers get when they graduate from plumbing school. What a strange phrase, standing water. Has there ever been any kind of water other than standing water? Is there recumbent water? Is there uh, crouching water, hidden Hidden. dragon? (laughs) I don't know. That That is an odd phrase. But fortunately, we no longer have standing water. We also did need the plumber to come yesterday because another night when I'd gotten back from a really late night in Bristol, you told me that in our kitchen, water had been dripping from the ceiling. And we realized that right above where the water was dripping from the kitchen ceiling. This required a third party to come into our house and tell me while I was standing in the kitchen that water was dripping from the ceiling. Our babysitter had come to take one of the kids to a birthday party while you had the other kids somewhere else and while I was at work. and yeah, the babysitter was the one who pointed out to you, you're standing in your own kitchen and you didn't notice I that was standing the, it was raining. <laughs> at the kitchen island. And a foot from me, 
It was raining. Yeah, that wasn't standing water. That was falling water, I suppose. But um, I, th- we, I thought I, I had had a, f- a traumatic flashback to being in the Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> oh, I don't think those exist anymore. For good reason. But uh, so two days in a row, one, we have dripping water from the ceiling. And then the next mor- following morning, we had the dishwasher. So when the plumber came yesterday to fix the dripping water, that, because there was the bathtub on the room above it, uh, he fixed that, and I told him I would call him today and let him know if that was still doing well and if we would need him to come back and fix my poor plumbing. But I'm so proud of myself. I was telling this story to Maria Taylor in um, in studio, and she said she once fixed her. She was so proud of herself because she fixed her garbage disposal. She called it a disposal, by the way, and not a disposal because she just went on YouTube and watched the video. I wonder how how YouTube has affected plumbing in other industries where people can now go on and at least attempt themselves to it's actually probably helped those industries because people try to think that they can fix things and then absolutely can't for every maria taylor who fixes her own disposal three go to the er to have their hand reattached (laughs) so the industry it's helping i think is is... it's not helping plumbers but it's helping uh it's helping surgeons perhaps um perhaps that's the case but but speaking of who it helps i also googled yesterday i burnt rice in a pan, I didn't actually burn it. I, I was cooking rice. I made a vow to feed the kids a decent meal for dinner last night rather than my usual. You were so proud of yourself. I was Yesterday, proud of as I was leaving, you said, um, you know, something about you were going to go to the grocery store, which you have to admit you don't do very often. For and when good you reason. do, it's just boxed cereal and milk, even if you don't know which person is there, to is get. Is there a cereal? You, should I get unboxed cereal next <laughs> well, time? It could just, be you like... know what? I, I'd, li- I'd like the giant bag of Honey Nut Cheerios, but give it to me loose. Okay? Well, um, just think, fire it at I me. I think at places gonna... like, uh, like Whole Foods, I, I think you can get loose cereal that you put in a bag, maybe. I could be completely off there. But anyway, you were so proud of yourself because you were going to get something that was not just pre-made garbage you were gonna cook something so anyway so how did that go so it went fine but i didn't stir the rice apparently often enough this was rice that wasn't boxed it came in an envelope (laughs) and it was delicious but afterwards it it was impossible to remove a half inch layer of rice some cooked some not cooked from the bottom of the saucepan so i googled how to get burnt rice off the bottom of a saucepan and, and and i followed directions step by step and this is what i did i put two cups of water and two tablespoons of white vinegar back in that saucepan. I brought it to a boil, turned the heat down, let it simmer for 10 minutes, and then I threw away the saucepan. <laughs> well, I know you didn't throw away the saucepan because when I when I came down this morning, it was soaking in the in the sink, which makes me think too. On Friday, which was the first of the four days that I was going to be in studio covering all these games, Friday morning, I made our son, he loves these peanut butter balls made from oatmeal. We've talked about these before because we were out of them and I, I quickly made them before before leaving but I didn't have time to fully clean the pan which I almost always do so I just left it in uh, soapy water in the sink so that it would be easy to to just clean so this is Friday morning I get home late I have to leave back early Saturday morning get home late so Sunday morning when I was in the kitchen and had a little bit of time before heading in I looked and I saw the the soapy pan still sitting in there so at, at any point did you consider finishing cleaning it after it had been sitting there two days well, first of all i think, there, I, think there, I think there, there is a big a conspiracy to sell more saucepans between uncle ben and big saucepan <laughs> i don't know how it sells them more rice because i don't ever want to cook rice again after that episode well but. you that was your second thing because on sunday again before i left one of the kids came down and said dad forgot 
dad was making eggs for us and he forgot to put the Pam spray in the pan. And how did that turn out? That it didn't was turn out that. well, but, but, <laughs> but, you know, for an extra nickel, you could have bought a pan that was no stick. Why, given the option between See? stick and no stick, would anybody choose, you know what, give me the sticky one? You're, you're why? The, why? I, I don't understand. No, this, this was my favorite. It always says put it in a no stick pan. I don't know if the pan is no stick. How am I supposed to know in this, advance if it's no stick? This is my favorite part of the whole interaction is this. Instead of just saying, shoot, I should have sprayed Pam or put butter in the pan, my mistake, you start blaming me for the kind of pan I bought. We've had that same frying pan for ages. Whenever I've cooked in it, I've used the the Pam or butter. It has never been an issue, ever, ever, ever. And the one time you forget to put the Pam spray in, all of a sudden, the problem is the pan I bought and not the Pam you didn't use. Take a man fishing, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Am I right? I buy, don't think buy, you're capable of learning how to fish buy, or to cook. Buy a no-stick pan, you eat for a lifetime. Buy a stick pan, and you have to buy Pam for the rest of your lifetime. Here's so you talk about big Pam, I think, is the industry that we're serving here. Here's the idea. Next time you're out getting me a spatula for Christmas, because you, you got me an array of spatulas this past Spatula Christmas. Spatulae. Spatulae. <laughs> Go ahead and buy yourself a non-stick pan. Put it wherever you want. And non-stick it? <laughs> no, put it, you can put it wherever you want, and, and you know what I'm talking about there. And then whenever you want to make eggs, you use your pan. And I'll continue to use mine because it hasn't but, been a problem. But with all due respect, Senator, you still haven't <laughs> answered the question. What is the advantage to buying a stick pan? I assume it costs it's, a no, nickel less, this is a, This is a non-stick why? pan, but you still have to put a little bit of something in it. It isn't a non-stick it pan is. if it's something sticking to it. it, it it's as non-stick as How I does make. the Pam stick to it? The Pam doesn't stick to it. That's the point. It's a little buffer. You could use butter, too. Feel free. I also wanted to add, since we had been talking about Captain Crunch and Crunch Berries at the start, that there is a cereal, I'm sure most of you know, called Captain Crunch Oops All Berries, which is just the Crunch Berries. I don't think I've ever seen that at the grocery store. Is it just a limited edition kind of a thing? Well, clearly it was a, it was a one-off thing because it involved an accident at the Captain Crunch plant. Was That's it actually what, called Oops Only it's called, Berries? No, it's called Oops All Berries, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. And I, I, I just I, It's interesting because I never read in the newspapers or anything about the accident at the plant <laughs> where they where had the mix-up. Where is that plant? Because there's some General Mills plant. That's out in Minnesota by you, it isn't is, it? It is, yes. Do they make Captain Crunch? I'm not sure if that's a Post or a General Mills that's cereal. General Mills, come on. Okay. Get your cereal straight. You didn't read cereal boxes as a kid? That's all I read. It's my remains well, of my greatest I read cereal literary boxes, but influence. But it wasn't. I didn't remember exactly who made what. Well, anyway, I'm new to grocery shopping, and I hope not to uh, become a veteran at it. But I did go to the grocery yesterday, and I don't know how you do it because I ran into three people, three separate people that I know, and only one of them was a long conversation, but. Uh, when I parked the car, I was listening to the radio. I was listening to an interview with Jim Carrey on the radio, and I wanted to hear the end of it. But I couldn't because as I sat there, parked in the parking lot listening to the radio, a gentleman with a shopping cart came up to the window. This is someone you don't know. I don't know him. No, no. I do now. And uh, he gestured for me to roll down the window, or maybe his just waiting there impatiently next to me in an empty parking space. Uh, made me roll down the window and he said would you like to use my shopping cart and I was relieved since there was where else am I going to find a shopping cart at stop and shop (laughs) I said sure thank you it was nice of him to offer and it saved him the trip to the shopping cart corral or just letting it go 
free range in the parking lot. And uh, as I took the cart from him, he said to me, I just had the front end realigned for you, which I thought was kind of nice. How I like old it when is this guy? He was, I don't know, he was older than I am. He was very nice. It was very no, nice. It, that sounds like something that a young person wouldn't do or say. So that's why I assumed right. he was an older person. I'm also an older person. And so, but I, I just like the the um, small talk between strangers in a grocery store parking lot like that. I had the front end realigned for it, and I said something like, you know, well, I'll change the oil to pay it forward or something. And we had a nice little cheesy moment in the parking lot. See, that one of the reasons that would never happen to me is I always park right near the cart return because that's the easiest and fastest exit. After you've loaded all the groceries into your car, then you can just... You know, if you're right next to the cart return, you put it there. So it would have been no advantage for anybody, including that man, if I was there to bring me his cart because I'm right next to the cart return. But that's not interesting. It's he just an aside. also hadn't had the front end realigned because it did have the, it had the wonky, wonky wheel. wheel. Yeah. yeah. Well, by the way, I do. Do you ever ride the wonky wheel at Coney Island's? Uh... <laughs> anyway, go ahead. The last time I was at the grocery store, it's not just the last time, but this happens a lot. Right when you push your cart into the grocery store, there's hanging right there, at least in our stop and shops, is a tub of like antibacterial wipes. And the last time I, I went into the grocery store, the woman right in front of me stopped, took one of the wipes and meticulously cleaned off the handlebar. What, what is that thing that you use the, to push the grocery cart? What's the name of that? The, hand, the, the steering wheel or the, the handlebar. Handle. No, the, some actually have steering wheels. Um, those <laughs> well, are the ones, the ones I like. The, the, kids, the, the kids can sit in. So anyway, she meticulously cleaned off the handle of her grocery cart and I just looked at her and kept going. I've never once done that. And I don't like, there's no part of me that thinks I need to do that. I'm sure there's germs on the hand, on the handle thing, but whatever. But <laughs> there's, I'm sure there's germs. In on fairness, it. you wear latex gloves when you go grocery shopping. Right. No, I only wear latex gloves when I'm in the house around you. But no, yeah, so I, I'm just, have, I'm whatever the opposite of a germaphobe is. I, I, I think maybe I welcome you're, you're, germs. You're a germophile. You're a germophile. <laughs> And, uh, and, it, and it brought me back to, I was calling the American Championship game when UConn beat South Florida. The game was at the Mohegan Sun, and I was working with Eric Freed, and it's my second time I've worked with Eric. We, we called the Notre Dame game together. He calls all of the UConn women's local games on SNY. Really like him. Great broadcaster. Really nice guy. And he, co- he comes there, and, and when he gets to the table, there's our headsets are on the table, the things that we wear during the game with the microphones, and, you know, they look like Bose headsets with... with you know, the thing you're talking to. Most people have seen these. And the first thing he did was he pulled out an antibacterial wipe and started cleaning off his headset. And he said to me, he said, would you like me to clean yours too? And I said, sure. But I've never once in my life and all the games I've covered. It's like a gentleman putting a handkerchief down over a puddle for you to step across <laughs> in 1897 with your well, parasol and but, your but, bloomers. But <laughs> yes, and perhaps I was wearing bloomers to call this game. But it was, um, it just made me laugh because I was thinking, and then we got in this conversation about germs. And if he didn't have a wipe or if he wasn't able to clean off his headset, my guess is it would bother him. And it's something he would think about when he had his headset on. Whereas I wouldn't and never have given it a second thought that, yeah, those headsets are used by every single person who calls a game using them, who knows whose head they've been on. And, and the, the, the microphone does go right near your mouth and the and the foam around the microphone like might touch your mouth. I've I've never thought about that. And even now as I think about it, I don't care. Like if, if I'm ever working a game with him, I will I hope he will clean off my headset in just a chivalrous gesture. But um 
It's like, yeah, it's just just germs are not something that preoccupy me in any way. There isn't a sign at the broadcast table or at the grocery store shopping cart corral, like at the gym, that says you must wipe down the bench press <laughs> before the next person uses it. How great would that be? There should be. And you know what? This this actually made me think of something when when our our youngest daughter was maybe one. I mean, I'm sorry, our oldest daughter. We went over one Sunday to my parents. We've talked about this before for breakfast and. Um, <laughs> And we needed to give her a bottle. And we realized while we had, I don't know if we had breast milk or if it was formula or what, but we had forgotten to bring the bottle. And so I sent you to, to Stop and Shop. You went to Stop and Shop and came back with a brand new bottle. And bef- and she's crying. She was hungry. We needed to feed her. And I remember saying at the time, oh, we have to boil the nipple. When you buy a new bottle, you boil the, the latex nipple for whatever it is, five minutes, a couple minutes, a minute, I don't remember. And I said, you've got to boil a nipple, even though this bottle was brand new. And your response to me was, when we were at the airport last week, she was licking the metal on the chairs. I think she's going to be fine to drink milk out of a bottle that has where the nipple hasn't been boiled. And of course she was. Of course she was. But it's those little things that, you know, you're told or you read the instructions, you have to do this. But yeah, she was. The week before, she's like walking around one of the benches at Bradley Airport, licking the gross metal on the chairs and that kind of stuff. Sometimes you just got to let it go. What do you think Eric Fried does at the airport? Actually, he brought up the airport. He's like, you know how often we travel? How many germs are on planes? What can you do? Well, but in fairness, if you could boil the seat at the airport or on the plane, <laughs> you, we'd all do it. You would boil the seat. The one thing I do on when I fly, and this is a result of the summer of lice, where our kids got lice and we couldn't get rid of them is it made me think about lice. and uh, Some people got the summer of love, 1967 right. San Francisco. We got the summer we of lice. We got the summer this of like lice. 2013 or something. Something like that. And ever since then, anytime I travel, doesn't matter if it's summer or winter time, I have a sweatshirt with me that has a hood. Because, it, well, first of all, I'm always cold. But if I'm going to sleep on a plane, I always put my head up. Because I think about, especially the planes that have that little piece of cloth or whatever it is coming over the back. A little flap, yeah. Yeah, like... I would imagine that lice could jump off of someone's head and then jump onto mine. Let so me that's my straight. one concession. I don't fear germs, but I, I don't like lice. You've buried the lead here. You have a sweatshirt that has a hood? <laughs> Two things. If only there were a name for that. <laughs> but and no, where can I get one? No, it's not a hoodie because it's actually a zip-up front. Our hood, hoodie's the kind that I'm wearing now with the hood up, actually, because our basement's so darn cold. But I don't know if it's still considered a hoodie. People will have to let us know. Is it, it is. still a hoodie if it zips up the front? Because I always wear the zip-up ones when I'm, sure. when I'm flying. Okay. It's called a hoodie with a zipper. Okay. The zoody? No. No? Just okay. a hoodie. Okay. So as we've talked about, the last four days have been just the most mad of madnesses in March in Bristol because we cover all of these games in the first two rounds. And what's interesting is, or at least interesting to me, is we have four games going on at once. So there's 16 games in a day, four games at once. And so there's one game that's a national game and the other three are sent to the regions where the teams are playing. So Coach Landers, Maria, and I are trying to watch four games at once. And when we come on to do halftime, the people at home are assuming, like them, we've only been watching the one game that they're watching. And so, you know, we're talking about it, but of course we haven't watched just that one game beginning to end. And also the way the games are staggered, it's happened in the past where one game will go to the half, then a little later the next game, a little later the next game. So by the time we're doing the halftime for the fourth game, we haven't seen sometimes much at all of that game because 
we were doing halftimes for other games when that game comes on. So it's something I didn't realize until I was in studio that that's kind of how it worked. And also now on Sundays, if there's an NFL game on, I have a new appreciation for those guys in the studio because now I understand they're not just watching the Giants or the Patriots, which are the two teams that are always broadcast to our region. They're watching however many games are going on. So it's a, it's really a lot of fun to, to pay attention to all these games, but you only have the audio of one game. So we'll, we'll watch a whole game, but not have heard sometimes a single word that the announcers have said. But it's this kind of fun juggling act that, that we do in studio. So At various half times, as you say? Yes. Or is it halves time? I think, I think it would still be half times. Attorneys general? Yes. Well, but- you know, my alma mater, Marquette, is not in the men's tournament. Went out in the women's tournament in the second round after being co-Big East champions. But um, Marquette is playing. Marquette men are playing in the, in the NIT. And I was watching him the other night. And our 11-year-old daughter came into the room and knew that the NCAA tournament wasn't going on at the same time and said to me, in total seriousness, does NIT stand for not in tournament? <laughs> Which somewhat and, killed my buzz of Marquette winning. Right. Well, our, it's funny because I'll, I'll come home. I get home late at night. And um, during, during this time of year, and in the morning, our, our youngest, our seven-year-old, said to me, Mom, did you know UConn scored 140 points? And uh, I said, yes, I, I knew that. And she said, and it was a record. And I was thinking, yes, because I had to do that highlight for, I mean, they played in the early window. We had three windows. We had all these happens. I had to do that highlight, let's see, 15 times. So yes, I actually do know that that they scored 140 points and uh, and that it was a record. But it was, it was so sweet because she clearly has no idea when I'm gone all day. She has no idea why. She has no idea what I'm doing. She thinks she's breaking the news to me about the record. UConn, as you probably know, had 94 points in the first half of that game. And one of our kids said when they saw the halftime score, we got free wings in the first half. Because <laughs> what does UConn have to score like an to get free wings? Eighty-three points threshold or something. They yeah, said, so. if you bring your ticket in within the the, the week, if, Wild you, wings. if you've been at the game, you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and you get free wings. So, uh, so free wings in the first half. That's uh, that's pretty. But impressive. this is a hot button issue because a lot of people then were mad that UConn was running up the score on St. Francis. People who had, hadn't watched the game or didn't follow. What, women's what, one of my favorite exchanges I saw on Twitter was um, somebody said, you know. Part of the blame is to go on the St. Francis coach for not slowing the game down and, and running more clock. And then I just see this reply and it says, that is true. The St. Francis coach does deserve part of the blame. And the tweet was from the St. Francis coach <laughs> and him just saying, you know, this we thought this was our best chance to win. This is the way we play. We needed a lot of possessions. They took 57 threes. They only made, what, 10 of them. And then Jeff Walls has a great, not a rant, just an explanation. If you look on YouTube, talking about his experience going against UConn, they, they have the largest margin of defeat in a national championship game. Um, I don't remember which one. They played UConn twice for a national championship. But he was telling this great story about going in at the half, his team was down like 14 or 16 points. And he said to them, do you want to keep this game close or do you want to try to win? Because in order to try to win, we're going to have to take a lot of threes. We're going to have to have a lot more possessions. And to a player, they said, we want to try to win. And as a result, they ended up losing by 30 because of the pace of the game. So people who don't understand basketball, don't understand how that stuff plays into it, don't realize that, you know, UConn scored 140 not just, you know, they weren't just running up the score. They were, 
you know, had a lot more possessions. There, there was more possessions in the first half of the St. Francis game, I believe, than the entire game between UConn and Quinnipiac. That's another thing. Why do people who aren't from here have such a hard time saying Quinnipiac? It's a hard thing to say. It is. It but just it, is. maybe because I grew up here, so it's so natural, it rolls off the tongue. It's Quinnipiac. And, and everyone, it's Quinnipiac. It's, and, 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 it's, and I've talked through it with Maria last year when we were in studio because Quinnipiac made it to the Sweet 16. Maria, in particular, would, would sit there and I would try to give her lessons on how to say it. And it was really frustrating to her that she couldn't just say it naturally. So great season by um, the, the entire Quinnipiac team. And then people are, who are outraged about UConn, quote, running up the score, I mean, I got somebody asking me as if I have anything to do with it on Twitter, hashtag disgraceful. And I I don't recall getting a lot of tweets from you during the rest of the year about UConn or women's basketball or anything, but there are people who like to come out once a year and take pot shots at women's basketball. What I love about that is it's not like you had tweeted anything about UConn women's basketball. You had, this wasn't in reply to anything you had said or, or, or written. Somebody just maybe, because maybe I hadn't answered them. Somebody calling they, me to account for <laughs> UConn's 140 they, points. They just went at you and with a hashtag disgraceful. So, um, so I think you should start using the same phrase that Coach Landers uses that, that we've been using in studio for the people who parachute in this time of year to criticize something that they don't pay attention to the rest of the year. And that's the simple phrase of Coach Landers, which is, get off my lawn. Yes, and, and, and not as if he needs me to rally to his defense, but for those who think Gino was running up the score to gratify his ego in some way, I, I, I say to them, yes, he, that's why he took took the women's basketball job in stores Connecticut 30 years ago or whatever it was now was to uh, because he was bent on world domination and and uh, gratifying his own ego sure yeah so um, there's a lot of great stories though this coming weekend we had a couple 11 seeds out of the Mac with upsets Buffalo women who are who are playing in the Albany region Central Michigan with a huge upset both of those teams in the Sweet 16 there's a really a lot of great stories in in women's college basketball this year yes UConn gets a lot a lion's share of the attention but um, Mississippi State, when, when they won to go to the Sweet 16, they were playing at home, and the hump was completely sold out. I don't know how many consecutive sellouts they've had at, at the, the latter part of this season, but what Vic Schaefer has done there is truly remarkable. You know, South Carolina's Asia Wilson is this phenomenal 6'5 center who can do a lot of things, who, who's fun to watch. There's a lot of really good stories in women's college basketball. So if people are listening who don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to it, it it'll be a fun weekend. Tune in, and, and, and there will be some stories that will be very compelling. Did you just use the phrase selling out the hump? <laughs> Oh, why do I think that there might be a Karnak coming on? Give me a Karnak no, for selling out I the can't. hump. Uh, when, when your hump has sold out, <laughs> you know, what, what, what pure thing is left in the world? Um, but we're talking about tournaments. Somebody suggested on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago that we do a tournament-style bracket for these brackets are popular this time of year for non-basketball-related things. She right. suggested it for uh, frozen pizzas, Tombstone versus DiGiorno. I wouldn't oh, watch Paul it. Newman, Newman's I would, own well, win every no, no. time the, on the that. Kids but... the, oh, the they DiGiorno do love DiGiorno, Crescent, that's and, true. And, and they would love Tombstone if they had it. But they are sick of frozen pizza this time of year. They're sick of I just about everything. Why. So I thought if I had to do a bracket for dad meals. Now, there are some dads out there who are great cooks. I'm not suggesting. This is just strictly me, their dad, who can't cook. Bar, burnt rice. You know, this This is just occurring to me. I had I made a huge, huge mistake. 
Instead yes, of, but you married me anyway. <laughs> instead of giving you piano lessons for Christmas, I clearly should have given you cooking lessons. That's going to be your Father's Day gift. It's not going to be a surprise. I'm going to get you cooking lessons. Okay, go ahead. Are you finished? I'm finished. Can I finish? I'm doing, I'm doing Dana Carvey's <laughs> Ross Perot from 1990 or whatever that was. Um, I, I, I can tell you that these brackets would be pizza rolls versus chicken nuggets. I think pizza rolls would probably win that one. Microwaved white yeah, castles. Let's just make it very clear. These, nothing of this is homemade. You're talking about stuff out of the frozen food entree section. So, I've never made a thing in my life. Yes, you know okay. That. Just, just, just making sure uh, everyone's understanding Microwaved that. white castles versus spaghetti and prego. I think Ooh. kids love the white castles. They do? They, they love them. Ugh. Uh, a very good pre-made store-bought chicken parm. Oh, from Kane's Market from in Kane's Simsbury. Market, Simsbury. That's, that's, that's they, pretty they delicious. They like that, but but now they're starting to. I, I've they, worked out in the rotational yeah. a few too many times, but I have to say the final, the championship game, when it, it, it not really even close. I mean, the two number one seeds facing off in a titanic head-to-head battle would be frozen pizza versus breakfast for dinner. Uh, well, you know, you never threw in the the Lost Acres chicken pot pie or the Blossoming Acres quiche. When I when I go to either of those places, because at least those they're frozen, but they're homemade before they're frozen. So your ultimate this is would a be mid majors. Breakfast the, the, for the, dinner. The dinner pies would be the mid majors. No, no, uh, surprising. Is breakfast for dinner eggos Fro- frozen or waffles. or is it? There's no um, eggs involved. No. Eggs where you actually do remember no, to no, put no. the Pam no. spray in eggs the pan with an O at the end. So or cereal. Oops, all berries. Oops, all berries. Oops, all berries. But uh, I, I honestly think that at this stage they're, they're sick of both of them. But um, ultimately, I think breakfast for dinner is the, is the champion of the. Uh, our our poor seven year old. This past week, every day in the morning, she'd say, "Do you have to go to work today?" And I'd say, "Yes." And when are you going to be home after bedtime? The look on her face was like I just punched her in the belly. And I think it's because your meals no. are like being punched in the belly. They have three horrible meals, unless I'm here to, like this morning, I made him breakfast. You really do need to do better. No, I, I think I think the reason she was, your your seven-year-old is in tears is because My, there's, no substitute, <laughs> there's no substitute for a mother's love. So the fact that you're away is why she's sad. The fact that I'm here is why she's not even sadder. No, it's to say the I'm fact here. that you're here is also why she's sad. I, I, I just love that you're, you're let's do this, this Rashomon-like movie from all different perspectives. Your perspective is after a long day in studio with catered <laughs> meals and hair and makeup and people tending to my every need uh, under the hot studio lights. I come home at midnight and uh, fix the dishwasher. Okay. The, the 18 hours that you were in studio, I was in kitchen or in bathroom <laughs> or in whatever. And uh, the, it, the, has a, it has its, granted, I was having hair and makeup and, and uh, craft services and, and all that here as well. But I also had four children to deal with. The, um, the, the biggest fallacy of what you just said is under the hot lights in studio. I'm just going to throw in there. It's freezing cold in studio. So Maria and Taylor and I are in our dresses. We have. We're, we're, we're we have, you wearing a sweatshirt with a hood attached? We actually are. So we're in our dresses. We have our, our like leggings or tights on with sneakers because you can only see us from the waist up. And when we're not on air, we have our, our hoodies on. We don't have the hoods up because that would mess our hair. And as you've mentioned, we've already had our hair and makeup done. But it's cold. But this actually brings me way back to one summer. I was calling a WNBA game in Phoenix and staying at the Ritz-Carlton. The WNBA, we don't stay at those four-star, five-star ridiculous places anymore. We still stay at nice hotels, but back in the day, we would stay at ridiculously gorgeous 
places. And so I was at the Ritz-Carlton. This was in Phoenix? This was in Phoenix. It was probably $49 a night yeah, in right, August. Right, that's true. That's true. That's true. But I remember calling home, and this was, we must have only had one or two children. I've since learned my lesson. And uh, I called home, and I was telling you about you know, this beautiful hotel, this concierge level we were on where at night they had this food and that food and just this swanky, beautiful place we were staying. And as I'm, you know, near the end of telling you this, you said, uh, I'm going to have to call you back. One of our kids, (laughs) their turd just dropped on the floor. I got to clean the carpet. (laughs) And it was true. So I don't know what happened with their diaper or whatever. (laughs) But I, 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 at that moment, I think I said, you know what? I think I'm done calling home and telling Steve about these places I'm staying when he's cleaning up the poor carpet. So I don't do that anymore, at least. Can I just do one more bracket? Oh, I didn't know you weren't done. (laughs) Not food. It's not food. I just thought of this, actually. Because on the radio, I heard this yesterday. There's nothing. Pestilence. uh, I'm exaggerating when they say there's nothing that that sticks in my craw like this. But for purposes of this discussion, play along. And a lot of stuff sticks in that craw. So what, what is it? Perhaps we should disassemble my craw. <laughs> and I can clean that yes. out. Oh, that would take me far too long. But, uh, and I don't think I have the necessary degrees for that. But go ahead. What's, well, what, what's, don't don't, don't what's short shrift my craw while <laughs> selling out my hump. Uh, it is uh, in... in in classic rock music, okay, pop music, hits played endlessly on the radio. Poor subject pronoun agreement. Does this does this bother you? It clearly doesn't stick in my craw because I can't think of any an example of well, I heard, rock where there's no I, poor subject pronoun. I heard agreement. songs back to back the other day. Would that be subject pronoun disagreement? Yeah, it would. It would be where the subject and pronoun agree to disagree. <laughs> One lives in the in the world of facts, and the others in the world of alternative facts. Yes. Well, so I heard the Goo Goo Dolls song "Iris," and I know it's coming, and I'm bracing myself. About a flower, or is it about a person? It's about a person. Okay. You know the song. The line goes, "I don't want the world to see me, because I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I just right, right, right." It does bother me. I don't want the world to see me because I don't think that they'd understand. The world, that's a, that's a singular pronoun. It is. Or singular noun, Well, yes. you know. I, I know. Yes. But the, Goo Goo Dolls evidently are oblivious. Well, I wonder if every... If I know each, it has to scan, and we, 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 can't, you, we can't require perfect uh, grammar in, in rock music or we'd have I can't get any satisfaction. Do you think, um, do you think each one of the Goo Goo Dolls didn't understand, or do you think there may be one of the Goo Goo Dolls... I did that, understand, but his voice just wasn't as powerful as the others. Right. And that Goo Goo doll, whoever he or she is, now wears a shirt that says, I'm silently correcting your grammar. <laughs> oh, I, I know one of the songs that you're going to bring up. What's the other song? I'm gonna um, bring, what's one of the songs? Paving the Parking Lot. Oh, Pave Paradise and Put Up a Parking Lot? But this is... Oh, but this is different. Yeah, this right, is different. Right, no, right, no, the right. other song that I heard right after that, in the car, both times. And I also knew that this was coming. And, it, and I knew it was going to bother me, but I couldn't believe that I was hearing these two back to back. And I was just thankful there were no children in the car, was Billy Joel's Allentown with the line, every child had a pretty good shot to get at least as far as their old man got. Yeah. Every child had a pretty good shot. Maybe they're all siblings. To get at least as far as their old man got. Yeah. I can understand why that's sticking in your craw. Can you imagine if you listen to 
hip hop and rap. I'm guessing the well, uh, I mean, subject I, I, pronoun agreement isn't always. It's not good agreeing. in any in any in any genre of music. It's it's not really. They haven't really locked it down yet. So. Well, next time, just turn the radio off and on, even if it uh, it uses the battery, and maybe that will solve so if, the problem. If anybody has their least favorite examples, their 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 worst attempts at subject pronoun agreement in popular music, you know where to send it. Where do they send it? They send it. They can tweet you at Steve Russian. They can tweet me at Rebecca Lobo. But if you have subject pronoun disagreement issues, send them to at Steve Russian <laughs> or at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter. Twitter or our, our Gmail account, ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Speaking of, we should get into some um, some viewer mail. Okay. we did. I did mention on Twitter the other day about I, I slept through the UMBC Virginia, the 16 seed, upsetting the one seed in the men's tournament. It happened while I was sleeping, and it made me think of other great sporting events I'd slept through, including the great 2006 Rose Bowl and pretty much every World Series from 2008 through 2017. And then people sent me some phenomenal examples, including a guy today who uh, woke up uh, at the end of game one of the 1988 1988 World Series and was told by his roommate that Kirk Gibson had just hit a rather dramatic home runoff of Dennis Eckersley to win the game. So if you've got great sporting events that you slept through, we can do that as a segment as well. You have to say what? I've slept through a ton of great sporting events. And you were calling those games. Yeah, right. Recently, because usually a game is on and I'll say to you, I'm really tired and you know what? The the result and what happens is going to happen whether I'm watching now or well, in the course. morning. Of course, and so. who are you going to discuss it with between midnight and eight a.m. when you can see all of see it replayed in its entirety or all of the highlights? And and I'm going to put this out there because right now my at Rebecca Lobo Twitter feed replies are full of people telling me about how bad UConn basketball is for the sport. So if you want to send me something, definitely do it at Ball and Chain Pod because I. Uh, I, I look at those and can read all of those, and uh, so that's an easier place to go. So and, anyway, and if and more specifically, if they want to tell you how bad UConn is for women's basketball, just don't send it. Yeah, just get off my you, lawn. You've 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 heard it. Okay. You want to do some viewer mail? Are we? Yes, let's do some viewer mail. So on viewer mail, a thing that touched the nerve last week was I asked, "Is it okay if you hide food from your spouse?" And we got a ton of responses to. To that on Twitter, and to a person, everyone said, "Of course, it's okay to to hide food from your spouse." M- m- women <laughs> said it's absolutely okay. Chad said, "My wife requires it. Buying me buys me cookies and says hide them from me." So I've never done that. I've never bought anything and said hide it hide it from me because if I don't want it, I just won't eat it. Amelia says, "I have to hide cookies for his own good. It's like a scavenger hunt for him to eat them." <laughs> Cookies is the name of her husband. We <laughs> and uh, this is one of my favorites. Liz, she's a single mom. She has a 14-year-old daughter, and her mother also lives with her. She will buy two of the same thing and label them with her daughter's name or her mother's name. It means they can only eat their box of whatever it is. And then she says, and I tell them if something is mine. And... Um, when our youngest daughter recently had to take medicine for uh, an ear infection or whatever it was, she hates the taste of this medicine. So in order to entice her to take it, I bought these Starbucks minis. They're ti- not Starbucks, um, Starburst minis, these little tiny candies. And she, after she took her medicine, she would get to have one of those candies. And she made in her, you know, seven-year-old handwriting a note that she put right on the Starburst that said, uh, what is it, roses only or something like that. And, and our 11-year-old, who actually cooks sometimes, 
she's the one I need to get cooking lessons for. There's hope for her. She uh, she made this homemade frosting after watching one of the cooking shows. And uh, in the fridge, there was just this bin of frosting. And it just said Maeve's because, of course, she didn't want to share. So I wonder how many other people label their food, especially like people do that when they're in college, probably when they share apartments, you have to label your food. People do so it in people offices. Only, we don't work in offices, offices but yeah. in office fridges, they have, you know, Larry's on the uh, on the coffee or whatever, whatever it, is. it is. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, if you destroy the eat the food and destroy the evidence, you know, then Larry doesn't remember that he had the thing right. in there. And I even had somebody send me a picture of where they hide um, something from their husband. So presumably their husband isn't on Twitter and doesn't see their feed. But uh, apparently it is absolutely okay to buy food and hide it from your spouse. Okay, aisle sealers. We talked about uh, going to Mass and people seal off the aisles before anybody else gets there so that you then have to ask them to move so that you can get into the center of the aisle. People, the first seats that fill up are on the aisle. We have- I uh, I had somebody refer to that as an aisler. (laughs) Okay, we've uh, we've, uh, heard from Maureen in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, is is an aisle sealer. And uh, here are the reasons. I feel claustrophobic in the middle. I'd feel really closed in if a very tall family of six occupied the pew directly in front of me. The real definition to us of an aisle sealer is the person or people who do not let you out when mass is concluding. They have to stay until the organ music is put away. I know exactly how that goes. My mom was one of those. She would stay until the last note knew, was sung. She knew she was boxing the other people, and then that was her way of telling them they should stay until the last note is sung. Three, the same people who block the aisle then become door sealers. They stop and converse right in the doorway, blocking your exit. Yes, that happens done that. all the time. Oftentimes they're pilli- p- picking up a bulletin or something or, or stuffing money in the and the collection thing. Four, we also feel that there are a brand of latecomers, and I think she's onto something here, that there are a brand of latecomers that try to steal the aisle seat, an intentional passive-aggressive move, arriving late, therefore guaranteeing yourself an aisle. Well, as someone, and you and I can both speak to this, we arrive, we're not usually late, we're usually there in the nick of time, where we get there right as the priest starts walking we're down usually the aisle. Late, yeah. But we're not doing, we're not passive aggressive. We're just unable to get out of the house. Another aisle sealer. I'm not sure of the motivation for others, but I prefer to sit on the end of the pew that starts the line for communion, thereby giving me an empty pew to traverse when returning to my seat. I get that. In my defense, however, I do slide down when elderly people or a large family want to sit in my pew, so I don't think I'm a real aisle sealer. That's Susan and Cocoa Beach, parentheses, opposite side of the state from St. Petersburg. And she's probably got a lot of older people who are who are at church down in Florida. People continue to sell us, send us words with double eyes. Andy, At some point, those have to run out. But no, yes, Andy M. writes, during one of our training lectures this past week, the term necrotizing fasciitis came up. Strangely, Andy's an accountant, but this still came up in his training session. Uh, during uh, necrotizing fasciitis, F-A-S-C-I-I-T-I-S, it's a condition that involves inflammation and infection along the fascia layer of deep tissue. I'm not sure if fasciitis is ever not necrotizing, something that uh, Eric Fried might might worry about when putting on his headphones we next, necrotizing fasciitis. We don't fasciitis. say necrotizing nearly enough on this podcast. We don't, nor, nor fasciitis. A plantar fasciitis is another of brand. Of course, uh, that's, the, that's, that's probably the most popular of the fasciitis. We should have a, a fasciitis uh, bracket. Yes, we should. <laughs> necrotizing versus plantar with an A. Brian writes, Brian in River Edge, New Jersey, writes, uh, I just finished Stingray Afternoons. I love when you, that's a book I wrote about growing up in the 70s. I hold love on, when hold you just- on, Hold on, pause for a second. So Steve has a book out now, Stingray Afternoons, about growing up in okay. the 70s. We don't talk about this nearly enough. If people enjoy your personality on that's the, last um, on the podcast- That's the last, worst thing to say. Or, or even or if, if you they, don't. Even if you don't, you should, enjoy um, you should enjoy and-, um, and Get Stingray but Afternoons. Brian writes, I love when you described within a few pages separate instances of hitting a car, parked car. I did. I ran into a parked car on my bike while riding no-handed. 
You talked about this in the book because we haven't yeah, yeah, discussed yeah, yeah. this right. on the podcast. And losing teeth. I, I had my front teeth knocked out by a baseball during baseball practice when I had forgotten my cap and I was looking directly into the sun and not expecting the catcher to pick up a bunt and throw it down to first base. You um, you had uh, half a tooth when I met yeah, yeah. you. So I, I now I have the whole tooth <laughs> and nothing, <laughs> nothing but, the, but the tooth. <laughs> I did you one better. I lost my front teeth by running into a parked car. Parked cars can be more dangerous. They don't make a sound until you hit them. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. So true. Denise in Glastonbury, Connecticut writes, and we know Glastonbury, I used to live in Glastonbury, Glastonbury, Connecticut, yes. But we, but we don't know Denise. Denise can't decide if I should start at the beginning of the podcast and progress chronologically or go forward from when I heard the latest episode a couple of weeks ago. So I am burning the pot at both ends, so to speak, to arrive in the middle at some future time. Interesting way to, to attack the podcast. This is what I think you should do. So if you, if you, if you get to the podcast... Say you were on episode 21. If There's you, no if wrong you, way to listen. But, but, I, but this would be my... I mean, listening be, is the wrong way to listen, but, but <laughs> if you're going to listen... This would be my formula. So say you, you, you're introduced to number 16. Then then go from 16 to the end and then start at the beginning. I think that's that, that would be a good way to do it. Okay, so uh, Denise writes, Thanks also for the lyrics to the theme song. You wouldn't believe what I thought Tom, Dick, and Harry were singing. I would love to know what uh, yes, she thought Tom, I'm Dick, and Harry were singing. I'm hoping will, she will send you another email at ballandchainpod at gmail.com and let you know what she thought Two PSs were. to this, this nice letter. Not an aisle sealer. I always move over to the middle of the pew, confounding tradition at every mass. And PSS or PPS or PS twice squared for the double I list, the American Birding Association, 2018 Bird of the Year. Now, she's just making that up, right? There's no such thing as the American Birding Association, 2018 Bird of the Year. Are you questioning whether there's an American Birding Association no, 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 or I'm whether sure they is. have a Bird of the Year? Well, I guess both. And is there a Bird of the Month in, a, in some kind of a centerfold? You know, I think they definitely make those little pocket calendars. Okay, so There's any, always birds on but the pocket point, calendars. But her point is the 2018 bird of the year is the iwi, I-I-W-I, a Hawaiian honey creeper. Well, that makes sense. Hawaii ends in two eyes. A Hawaiian honey creeper. That was your nickname for a while, was it not, in college? <laughs> not only a double I, but an extra one at the end in case you lose one. So... Uh, Denny Gallagher with one N and not two I's, if you're listening. Hawaiian honey creeper might be a good phrase to get into the title of this podcast. Uh, Road King writes, not only writes, but attaches the 1891 patent for the perforated toilet paper roll, which solves the over versus under dilemma. And in fact, the 1891 patent for the over under toilet paper roll, as as in the attachment from businessinsider.com that he sends, is to hang it on the outside. He well, actually naturally. sent you the patent. Well, you he sent me. He sent me. A, he sent me an, an article from Business Insider. Is it something I can put on our Instagram? Possibly. You can okay. Our Instagram, it, by the way, is Ball and Chain. Instagram is just at Ball and but Chain. Road King asks, with those dispensers, that leaves room only for discussion of the huge commercial rolls. But well, let's not get into the huge, those huge commercial rolls. The, the problem with those is not which way it hangs. It's when you try to pull it, the structural integrity of those yeah. half ply things. Those are pull terrible. Apart. So also the subject of a Seinfeld, the Sparrow Square. And our next email is from Jeff. Jeff writes, we were talked about being mistaken for uh, run, having run-ins with the celebrities on elevators or being mistaken. I was once mistaken for Andre Agassi. Right. He was at, at years ago at the World Series in Oakland, California of all places. So this is, we're talking 1988-89. I was mistaken for Jerry Seinfeld. I denied it, of course, but by the end of the game, I was signing autographs as Jerry. Weirdly, Jeff also ran into... Liz Sheridan, who played Jerry's mother on the show, in a bed, bath, and beyond, parentheses, it was in the beyond section, <laughs> and worked on an AT&T commercial with Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris, who played George's parents. Uh, he also once got off an elevator 
in Philadelphia and ran into Charles Barclay. You've been mistaken for various people over the years. I haven't been mistaken for anyone. I've been called the wrong name. No, Je- but... Jeff has been mistaken also, in addition to Seinfeld, for Arlo Guthrie and Phil Mickelson, weirdly. And he's, he attached a picture, and he looks like all, all three of those people, <laughs> kind of simultaneously. You've, you've, you've often, people have called you Lisa Leslie. Yes. but People have but... called you Lisa Loeb, the singer of yes, Stay. Yes, that is true. And people frequently have mistaken you for Carol Walters, another tall, former Yukon Husky. Yes, that, that, but okay. but but the person you are most frequently mistaken for is yourself. It's me. That's true. And so we're walking through Lincoln Park in Chicago once, and a guy making out with his, I guess, his girlfriend on a park bench at three o'clock in the afternoon, pulled apart, sat up, did a triple take as you went by, and finally called out to you and said, "Did anybody ever tell you you look exactly like Rebecca Lobo?" You said you get that a lot. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. It's uncanny. Yeah. Why would it be I've, impossible for it to actually be you? I, I don't, don't understand. Know. And I've, heard, I've had people tell me, like, you look a lot, you look like Rebecca Lobo. And I'll say, yes, I look exactly like her. And, and sometimes the response is, it's eerie. And I'll right. say, well, it really isn't, especially when it happens in Connecticut. That's the part to me that's, that's funny because I live here. So anyway. I also get you look exactly like Rebecca Lobo. Yeah. It's eerie. It's weird. <laughs> so it's probably true that married couples start to resemble one another. George in Columbus. George invites you to uh, have a good time in Columbus during the final four. But he says he shared with his wife your thoughts about retirement jobs that, that would get Steve out of the house. She agreed that although I will certainly need such a job, this is George, for the same reason I couldn't get an Uber job due to my lack of directional acuity. Speaking of Uber job, we didn't have an Uber story Today. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have some uh, Uber confessions in the next one, but even though we don't have Uber confessions, Denny, right now, because it's too good to not play, please play the Uber confession song. Just play some of it. Play a, s- a, play a it. snapshot of it. And we'll come back to viewer mail after we come out of that. He drives part time. It's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. I love that segment song. That's a great song. Can't get enough Uber confessions. You'll be taking Ubers this week, so we'll have Uber confessions next. Anyway, George has two options for his retirement job to get him out of the house. One, at some large convention centers, there are employees who walk around all day with tennis balls mounted on long sticks. I like this already. (laughs) They use the tennis balls to scrub off shoe scuff marks from the tile floors. Usually they're wearing earbuds, presumably listening to music, or in Tampa, perhaps, your podcast, while working. Advantages, indoor controlled climate, and people generally leave you alone. I like that job a lot. Yes. And anything that gives you a specialized instrument, a, a, a tennis ball on a long stick, bonus points for that. My dad occasionally marshals golf tournaments in retirement and holds up, including at the Ryder Cup at, at Hazeltine the last time around, and holds up that quiet please sign. Mm-hmm. I but, think you should just get that sign and like when you're – how great would it have been if you had had that when you were in the grocery store parking lot and the guy came over and you just held that up that, to the that window? That would have been great. But because he's my dad, I think he should have a he, – he and he alone should have a sign that just that says, Zip it, Buster. Because that's what he said. That's what he said and still says. Option two for George. At a Caribbean beach resort, I saw men each morning working in Paris to rake up and bury the seaweed that had accumulated on the beach from the previous evening. One man had a rake and the other a shovel to dig a small hole and bury the raked seaweed. Advantages, sunshine and ocean breezes, and people generally leave you alone. I like that job, too. That you sounds... know, that job would be terrible for you because the disadvantage would be the sunshine. You're the guy at the beach because you can't get... You know, there's skin cancer in your family. You can't get a lot of sun, so you'd have to be completely covered up. That's fine. I don't mind that. So we've got we've got a couple more uh, viewer mails here. One, uh, our weekly uh, shot. This is a quadruple shot of Wyoming wisdom. I love from the Josh Wyoming and, wisdom from Josh. 
no theme song yet, but uh, Tom, I, Dick, I, and Harry I, I, work on that. I, we don't need it's it's a country. segment song. Oh, a segment it song, would right, be right. country for sure. One, your story about Vic Schaefer, your story, Rebecca. Vic Schaefer coaching co- his daughter yeah. at Mississippi State doesn't allow basketball talk at the dinner table. Right. Your story about Vic Schaefer made me think of this, and I wish I knew what the others did that were like it. I coached my kids in basketball, four girls, 14, 14, 11, and 6, and I instituted a 24-hour rule after the first year. I don't speak to them about anything coaching-related unless 24 hours after the game, it still seems like a big deal. Most of the time, it isn't a big deal, and after 24 hours, we can address it in practice. He does speak to them, just not about the basketball game. Presumably. He doesn't say if he speaks to them, but right. we'll give him the I like that, because usually with the... The league that we play in, there's our games tend to be could be an hour away, but we never really talk about the game afterwards. Even if I'm frustrated with something, I don't talk to the kids about it because they have no interest in talking about it. We've never gotten in the right. car after the game, and one of our kids wants to engage and talk or, about the game or so. anything else at the dinner table. When we bought a dinner table 15 years ago, and you, we had visions of these great discussions of the weighty issues of the day occurring around it. I never had those no, visions, no, no, no. but we, we well, do I sit did. down. I did, but when, I, when I'm, I was imagining myself being married to somebody else. At those times, so. <laughs> Lovely. Other than the month of March, we sit down at the dinner table every night and have dinner. Right. We just don't have the conversations. Uh, the dinner table is, uh, that we got 15 years ago is basically reduced to kindling at this point. It's only being held together by maple syrup, table syrup and yes, things like exactly. that. Anyway, point number two. At a BCI tournament in Phoenix... This is Josh Stell. The summer before I was a senior in high school in 1993, I held Felipe Lopez, the number one recruit in the country, but none of us knew it because there was before social media. He was a great player, went to St. John's to 38 points in the first in the first quarter. Josh held Felipe Lopez to 38 points in the first quarter. I say held him because he missed a three with my hand in his face as I fell down trying to close out on him at the buzzer. Rebecca, I'm assuming this is talking about Rebecca, though he doesn't specify. Was there ever a player slash colleague that humbled you and motivated you to get better? If so, who was it and how old were you? Gosh, I don't know if there's anyone that ever humbled me, but I remember growing up. Only in- because of your your, your in, ingrained lack of humility. <laughs> yes, exactly. Growing up in Massachusetts when I was in high school, Sarah Bain, was uh, she was a great high school player, and then she went to Boston College. And she was the bane of your existence. Yes. Um, but I just, I, I remember hearing about her a lot. And then when she was at BC and I was at UConn, you know, we would play against them. And more than anything, we weren't the same position. She was a guard. But I just remember thinking about, you know, what a great player she was and, and enjoying watching her play and, and knew what it was like to see her name on the scouting report. And, you know, she was the one that we had to stop and just thinking like it would be really cool to be that kind of a player someday. So it's not like she, you know, scored a ton of points on me because I wasn't guarding her, but I definitely looked up to her when I was uh, when I was in high school. Three, can either of you remember a formative moment or memory that determined what your career was going to be as a youngster? The aha moment, if you will, I have to imagine from listening to Steve for the last month that this will be a story with lots of vivid detail. I'll give you a short story with with little vivid detail. But I got off a school bus one day, probably in seventh grade. I had written things on my own that I would type up on my mom's typewriter and then keep them around in my drawer for a few days, crumple them up and throw them away. Kind of like newspaper columns, stories about games I'd watched on TV. How old were you? I was probably seventh grade. Okay. And I came home, got off the school bus one day, and my mom was hosting her bridge club in the afternoon. And they were passing around a crumpled piece of paper. And I realized it was one of the stories that I'd written. And I was enraged, horrified. My armpits burst into flames when I realized what it was. But very quickly, they all said nice things about the story and were complimenting me on it. And I realized then that I could write something and show it to another human being. And that was really the only way I would make a living as a writer if somebody else saw it. I I don't know why this is because I've heard you tell that story before, but this is the first time I'm like ingesting it as a mom 
and how unbelievably sweet. I never got a chance to meet your mom because she she died before I I met you. But um, just think about how proud she was. You know, you're because we have a, a sixth and eighth grader, and and I can just picture that. You know, pulling a story out and thinking it's great and sharing it with friends. But but just, my mom was sweet. Really, really sweet. My mom was sweet, and we were not. So we would be, you know, laughing at it and pointing out. Uh, grammatical errors, uh, subject me, subject pronoun disagreement. Your mom was sweet, and I am sweet. You can speak for there yourself. You <laughs> Finally, Josh's P.S. I sold Kirby vacuums door to door for seven years after college. And if you ever want some PG thirteen material that will make your belly hurt from laughing, let me know. We have to get the uh, the story we of selling vacuums door to door. You can imagine um, what he walked in on with those lonely housewives. People with. <laughs> That's not where you were going no, no, with no. it. No, I, I, I can't wait to hear. So um, <laughs> finally, and we're going to end on this. This this will be our last piece of viewer mail before Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out. Oh, and, I, I have another one. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Please go ahead. No, I want to save this for last. All right. I've got two, actually. One of them is from Jenna Stigliano, nay, Jenna Oriema. She says, I love the John Cougar Mellencamp reference. At six years old, I named my teddy bear Mr. John Cougar and then changed his name to Mr. John Cougar Mellencamp. My dad was so proud. <laughs> so, first of all, it was a teddy bear and not a cougar that she named I'm Mr. curious John if, cougar, if Jenna but... had the bear long enough to then segue into the final version of that, which was just John Mellencamp. I don't know. Because he we... did drop the, coo- the the vestigial cougar dropped away at some point. Right. Because it started out as Johnny Cougar, yes. John Cougar Mellencamp, John Mellencamp. And I always thought if, if he stayed long enough in the NFL that Johnny Football... Johnny Manziel would 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 become John Cougar football. (laughs) Or I'm sorry, he'd become John Football Manziel and then just become John Manziel. I like it. And and the last one that came via Twitter, Eduardo Kanichiwa said, uh, growing up in Brainerd, Minnesota. His real name. Growing up in Brainerd, Minnesota, you know where, where that is. I do not. We called veggie dip chip dip. And as a kid, I could make one chip. Last a whole container of dip. <laughs> I think you could do that too. It's a Minnesota thing. You yes. wouldn't understand. Uh, and that's fine. Steve and Rebecca. This is from Rob in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And we'll end on this one. A couple of podcasts ago, Steve, you mentioned your family vacation as a child driving down the coast of California in a wood panel station wagon. Your father cleaning up vomit with his boxers reminded me of a similar story. Oddly enough, happening the same year. Same time, perhaps. The family was on their way back from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Happens to be where my dad grew up, Rob. The family was on their way back from Fort Wayne, Indiana, where our neighbors and best friends had recently moved. A family of five kids crammed into my dad's 1976 Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser. Can be nerve-wracking enough. But then add in the fact that you get caught in a log jam on the Kennedy Expressway in the middle of Chicago, and you have the recipe for disaster. My seven-year-old brother started dancing up and down for 10 minutes and soon stated that he needed to go to the bathroom. My dad, being very empathetic, shouted there was nowhere to go unless he wanted to hang it out the window. We should have like Morgan Freeman or somebody reading this. You know, we should do a dramatic reading of this sometime. Do better. I'll try. Bring more drama. Do do, do an announcer voice right now. My mother, always Boy Scout prepared, decided to empty out a Pringles can and instructed me, a 14-year-old big brother, to hold it while he emptied himself. My brother pulled down his pants before I was ready and he aimed at the Pringles can, which was about 12 inches from my face. The first streams hit the edge of the can, spraying all over my face and beautifully quaffed middle parted hair. I lost it a tad, as, as one might, as I temporarily lost sight with it in my eyes. I got my senses after seeing urine on the floor mats and held the Pringles can close to him. My mother laughed so hard that she wet her pants. My dad stopped, stopped about 40 minutes later at the Lake Forest Oasis. I remember that well, a McDonald's over the freeway, where I tried to wash out my eyes and hair and spent too long trying to get my middle part just right. 
We still get laughs at family get-togethers recounting that story. See, your delivery needs to be better. So yes, we could get Mr. Foreman, or we could just do it a little better. I didn't suggest George Foreman or Chuck Foreman. <laughs> Mr. Freeman? Freeman? Morgan Freeman. We could get Mr. Foreman. We could get Mr. Foreman. That would be a whole different kind of reading. But um, He could sell you a grill while he's reading it. It would be something like this. My mother always, Boy Scout prepared, decided to empty out a Pringle can and instructed me, a 14-year-old big brother, to hold it while he emptied himself. My brother pulled down his pants before I was ready, and he aimed at the Pringles can, (laughs) which is about 12 inches from my face. The first streams hit the edge of the can, spraying urine all over my face and beautifully coiffed middle parted hair. I lost it a tad as I temporarily lost sight with urine in my eyes. I got my senses after seeing urine on the floor mats and held the Pringles can close to him. My mother laughed so hard that she wet her pants. There's a reading for you. (laughs) Tom, Dick, and Harry mercifully play us out as quickly as possible. has no pain no gain and we found that to be fact the road might twist and turn a bit but we all arrive intact mr mom and mrs dad having each other's back day by day just to keep it sane who's the ball and who's the chain it's hard to tell right here on happiness lane Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.